Episode 4, The Most Important Duties of the Night Shift. restaurant on the front door only like 20 minutes late well wait that's actually a lot isn't it yeah but I was on prep yeah so basically like so being on prep means you don't have anything to do I memorized all the lyrics and so yeah that's that's nice I mean I guess maybe like I do a salad or something sometimes Oh yeah, I like, I pour some sauces into cups and stuff. But I checked the fridge a few hours ago. There were two entire salads. Eh, so I'm just gonna leave that for the day shift. Not the most professional thing to do, right? But honestly, the day shift is just lazy, you know? And they expect for us to do all the work. Every time we come here, it's the same. The floor hasn't been swept. The little Swedish immigrant who sits in the corner and hands us cups is on strike because he hasn't been fed. And there's a grease fire in the meth lab. No one wants to call the fire department about it because eh, it's a meth lab. So whenever I'm on prep, I end up spending most of my time taking care of these things. Like, I should start by saying, you know, like, first of all, it keeps me busy, but the grease fire in the meth lab is actually easy enough to take care of for me. Right. For me. Maybe not for you. For me, it's pretty easy. So, I'll, I'll set the scene. Like, you're you're in this place, and like you go back, and then you go back, and then you go forward, and then you go left and right, and then you press A, B, start button, A, and then you press left and right at the same time on the different sides of the controller, and you're at the basement, right, and the basement, it's got like this smell, and the basement, it like kind of smells like Splenda, right? That's the smell, and it's mixed with tuna fish, almost. But it's got more smoke, and it's completely dark. I can't see into it when you know that the grease fire is burning in there. You shout at it. Oh, what you shout depends on how intensely it's burning. You know, some nights it's enough to just shout scary things, you know. You walk up to the abyss, you start shouting. Spiders! Night spaces! Unfunded government liabilities! Or something like that, you know. Whatever. And eventually the grease fire gets really scared and decides to back off. Yeah, but some days it starts burning more intensely. That makes your gums swell. And you feel this weird itching in the, in the lower part of your back. At the cork of your neck. Fight me. It will growl under its breath. You just have to keep shouting. Terrorism! Deal colored shoes. Snakes! This can't work forever. But of course there's one last option. The nuclear option. 
was taught to me by my grandmother when I was a child. I must say, it's really pleasant that we've come here. Sites in the large refrigerated tube at the end of the universe might not make any sense unless you know about the day shift. And about the grease fire in the basement. Constant enemy to our security as a human race. So I'll start, I'll, I'll, I'll set up for you, right? My grandmother has a really scary basement at her house. Her house was a reflection on a hill. And the basement contained its mirror image reflected on a horizontal axis. All the laws of physics were reversed therein. Everything was a negative image of the house in which we lived. Inside of the house, there lived two massive rats. Inside of that hole in the basement, there lived two massive rats with giant hoods over their faces. I never spent much time in the underhouse. Sometimes when I was a kid, my grandmother would take me to the basement door. And we'd look down into the basement with a flashlight. The stairway stopped after three steps and just hung out over the emptiness. Wait, it's like, do you remember when you and me were on the couch in her house? She had just finished asking the oatmeal for an interpretation of the dream. I remember you didn't understand what happened next, and tried to explain. She brought the oatmeal to me. And it looked me very sternly in the face, and then glanced at you. Then it glanced at me. And then it glanced back at you, and then it shut its eyes. understand it when it happened because the under house reflects the over house what the oatmeal meant to say was that even if my prospects seemed dark right where we were they would always be the inverse in the under house but my grandmother was always trying to teach me how to understand spiritual things like that you know like how to talk to oatmeal how to sing to underhouse people that's what i mean you know my grandmother took charge of my mother and she's singing this armenian lullaby every night and i never understood the words why she'd sing it to me so i was like 12 way too old for her to tuck me in like grandma seriously and one day she fell over next to the door and she had been laying there for an hour by the time i got home i already had great customer service instincts so I said, Hello there, ma'am. How may I help you today? Open the basement door, grandson. She mumbled. I had not seen or begun to comprehend the underhouse. So I was surprised to discover a reflection of myself staring back at me through the otherwise perfect darkness. The two large rats crept up behind my reflection. Oh my god, what do I do? What do I do, grandma? I've taught you what to do. 
I know at that moment, she meant for me to sing the lullaby, even though I didn't know the words, their meanings, I mean, for I knew their sounds by heart. As I sung, the rats listened with trepidation and melted back like hot wax. The rat people in my reflection withdrew into the darkness. And, like, it's kind of awkward because I found out later Jessica bought me this Armenian dictionary and I looked at it and all the words I was saying were, like, just incredibly graphic profanity. And I, like, wasn't sure because, like, I, I thought that it was, like, a serious thing, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know what was going on. Anyway, I'm not really good with dictionaries, so, eh, I don't know. Right, and I and I don't speak Armenian, so I don't even really know what Armenian profanity is like. You know, I don't know. At all. But if you sing the lullaby to the grease fire, the foundation of the restaurant shakes. The air grows cold. The faint hum of unseen strings and the rattle of the machinery crescendos behind you and you see the grease fire briefly. Your vision blurs growing narrow like a pilot in a crashing plane. It's always a faint pinprick of red light. Impossible to behold without shivering. It always tries to drown me out, but I just keep singing louder and louder until it finally subsides, and then I shut the door and I find my manager. That day, the, my manager was busy putting vents into these little plastic bags. Hey, man, I saw the fire in the meth lab. Good. You are a bold hero among spineless peons. I'm always never sure what to say about things like that, you know. When I'm complimented, I want to compliment their and back. But when I need to compliment someone. I find, like, uh, intimidating, then my compliment always comes out something like this. Like, it's like, I like how uh, you never ask me to watch your dog when you go on vacation, even if you could, I respect that. Or like, your hair is like jellyfish, your eyes remind me of salt water. Or I'd be surprised if you got arrested. And my boss never knows how to respond to me when I say that, but I, I remember all of the compliments I ever received for my job interview, I just repeated them all to my manager, and he hired me, like, on the spot. Serious. And I started with the compliment that I received when I was first, like, two years old. That That's, like, the earliest I could remember. I, I, leaned, and I leaned into that manager, and I said, Well, sir, I can go potty like a big boy. And then when he asked me, uh, I'm sorry, sir... What was that? I moved on to what happened to me when I was five. Well, it's not your fault that they're dead. <laughs> and when I said that, the manager was like, Oh, uh, okay. Well, uh, moving, moving past that. Uh, Alright, uh, as I said, my name's Josh. Uh, I'm the manager here, and... Uh, Loved your loved your application. Saw that you didn't put any experience on your application. Uh, I was wondering, you ever worked anywhere before? Anywhere? 
And then, so after he asked me that, I cleverly moved on to when I was 12, and someone told me, well, like they say, a, a lot of kids have to repeat sixth grade, buddy. And he was like, this. He was like, right. Okay. Um, right. So, <sighs> we are short staff, so. You ever mopped floors before, kid? Okay. I think I got a job for you. And then I got to when I was 22. <laughs> I should show up to work every once in a while. The manager asked me more questions, and I think he was impressed with me. Confident refusal to answer any of the questions he actually asked me. And to just keep reciting compliments that I'd received throughout my life really showed him my, like, confidence. You know, confidence is key. Doesn't really matter what you're confident about. You just have to commit to it. And then you have to just not be confident about that and do food service. Well, the next part of my day is dealing with the little Swedish immigrant in the corner. He's always on strike if he's not being fed, but he doesn't like not being on strike. So once you come after him with food, he's upset. I chase him around for a few hours till I manage to catch him in the butterfly net, and I feed him some stuff through the holes in the net. And I wait for him to stop asking to see his family, and then he usually goes back to doing stuff with cups. I swept the floor after that. And then I just had three hours or so to do prep cook stuff, and like most of being a prep cook uh, really revolves around the prep list, right? So you go get the prep list, and what you do with the prep list is um, you compare it with the other, the day shifts prep list, and you go through and you're, you're like, okay, um, the day shift was supposed to do this. I don't, I don't think they did that, so I'm gonna cross off one thing on my list and I'm not gonna do that, right? It's like kind of, you're like mentally crossing it off, you're not actually crossing it off because that kind of defeats the purpose, but you're like noticing, right? You're like, the day shift did not mince the onions. The day shift did not portion the tartar sauce. The day shift uh, didn't really do anything, you know? So, whatever. I'd like look over to Ben and I'd like, you know, comment on it and then I'd be like, man, this fella must be such a piss drunk buffoon. Oh my god. Ben, I, I should clarify, Ben's the man in the navy blue one piece. He sits on an orange bucket and he reads me the news. Uh, yeah. You remember him, probably. I talk about him. No, I, I, I definitely talk about him. Ben would just like be like there like, oh my god, what did that guy do? He needs to get a new job. That prep cook, man. I hate that prep cook, right? And so then the other cooks complain with me too. They're like, yeah, that guy never does his job. Why is that prep cook so fucking lazy? You know, maybe you should stop bitching and actually do your fucking job, man. Or like, hey, you're stepping on my mop. Can you, like, get off of my mop? Or, or it's like, hey, man, you're not even really supposed to be on the line right now. You're supposed to be washing dishes. You remember what happened last time? You know, stuff like that. You know, it's just like, yeah. So for the rest of my shift, I would just sweep up the floor. And I, I left a note on my prep list, as usual. 
I got what I could done, man, but we were really busy. I'm sorry. That same fateful day, I remembered the weight which I had placed on the day shift for the sake of the morale of the night shift. Jessica was handed the oatmeal next. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry you weren't there. I'm still getting you two mixed up. It's really not personal. I'm not thinking of her as much as you think, but she left an impression on me. When she's, when she had left the room, she stayed there like a ghost made of cinnamon. Even when everything around her still smelled like other things in the restaurant. You weren't there, so I, I always forget that you don't know what it said to her. Perhaps it means as much to you and I as it did to the both of us. He never meant any harm. The oatmeal intoned. That was all it said. That was all it said, I swear. Grease Fire is a poem written, performed, and recorded by Timmy Vilgiotti in affiliation with the Redheaded Zombie Show. The show was originally performed on UCCS Radio in 2015, and is now being re-recorded with better sounds. If you enjoy Grease Fire, consider listening to my other show, Rivers of the Mind, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. You can also pledge money to help support my shows, my art, and my music at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening, have a great day.